Hey, special educators, I'm Jennifer from Positively Learning. Welcome to the Special Educators Resource Room. If you're like me, you're always looking for ways to save time and streamline your work. That's why this podcast was created to give you the systems and solutions you need to get your time back. Tune in for tips, tricks, and tools that will help you manage your workload and make the most of your time. Whether you're brand new or experienced, all are welcome in the Special Educators Resource Room. Hey, Special Educators, this is Jennifer from Positively Learning. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Special Educators Resource Room Podcast. So this episode is all about creating a bare bones minimum paraprofessional training manual in 15 minutes or less. It's going to be short and sweet, and I promise to respect your time. This is not the episode for you. If you are listening to this, maybe it's during the summer when you have a bit more time and you want to fully assemble a training binder. Nope. This is for a special educator during the school year perhaps on the weekend and last week wasn't so great and you're looking for a fresh start for Monday. This is your episode. I'm going to list out the eight things I'd include and how they're going to help you. Now, my own experience in the classroom, I have purchased many paraprofessional training binders before I ended up creating my own for positively learning. And you know what? They were all fantastic. They were great thorough. They looked good. I assembled binders. It looked amazing. However, I still didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to use all of this useful information. So that's where this comes in. I want to tell you what I'd include and how it's going to help you. Are you ready? All right, here are the eight things I'd include in a minimal paraprofessional binder, and they are in no particular order. Starting off with a school safety statement and confidentiality statement. Now, this should be really fast. I would not do them yourself, but instead locate them on your school website, or maybe it's at the district level, print them out and tuck them in the binder. School safety should be very easy to find, very important. The confidentiality statement, if you don't see that, you might want to look if there's anything for FERPA or for social media. If you don't see it, you can always just do a piece of paper with two sentences. Students will not be identified, um, any students receiving services, or maybe just leave it at all students. And of course, if there's a social media statement, very important. The next thing that I would include is your classroom schedule. Now, this is not your traditional spin on a schedule. You may have already shared that or you may have it displayed for everybody to see in your classroom. What I'm thinking of is a schedule of what the paraprofessionals is going to be doing during this time. So maybe your math block is from eight to 10, but this schedule would look like eight to nine, paraprofessional is supporting whole group. 9 to 10, paraprofessional supporting student-dependent work. Um, maybe you're listing out paraprofessionals traveling to the inclusion classroom setting or traveling to enrichments or specials, listing out exactly what they're going to be doing. And it's not so much like a 
bossy thing to do. It's really a matter of respect. You're respecting the paraprofessional's time because everything's going to be on that schedule, including their lunch time and you know whatever else time is designated. But it's really a matter of respect for everyone that we're keeping a schedule, we're sticking to it, and we're honoring it. So very important. The next thing I would include is some kind of statement sheet on ideas, disability codes, maybe some procedures. And this should be all of the disability codes, not just what you're working with in your student population at your school or this school year, but instead all of them so you can reuse it each year. I wouldn't suggest that you have to make this, but you could probably find it online. I include it in my training binder and you may be able to find it at Rights Law also to print out. All right, the next thing is a one pager for strategies for teaching academic skills. Maybe there's some certain things that your school follows, best practices, maybe the prompt hierarchy can be mentioned here on how we support, what level of support is appropriate. And then also the exact same thing for strategies for behavior management. Maybe there is a overview of the behavior plans how to avoid a power struggle. I think that anybody would welcome some of these things, but it also might be something that you're struggling with in your classroom and you want to have this clarified on paper because that is going to help support if you have to have that conversation. It's not going to be like an opinion that you don't like how someone's doing something. No, I actually have this written down that this is how we're going to follow this. It's just there to protect everybody, right? All right. Data sheets and checklists. Now, I know maybe you are not working with paraprofessionals who are collecting data, but you may want to tuck a few in. This is kind of like a backwards planning situation where they can get an overview of what we're working on. How hard would it be to go to work every day and kind of do the same thing and not see that big picture of where it's going? You and I, as special educators, We have such a big picture, right? We have an IEP we're following that we created and spent so much time thinking about. That is something that would be really helpful. Data sheets could be an interesting way of doing that. It could help clarify some things as well, especially with prompting, because we know sometimes prompts are, oh, they might be overused a bit. And we can say, we want to collect this clear data of student independence. So that's why this is important you to follow. So that might be an interesting thing to put in there. It definitely cannot hurt. Now, one big thing, and I saved it for last, although it would not necessarily be last in your binder, but it's a big one, is a classroom layout and expectations. So what this would look like is a diagram of your classroom. I'm picturing a piece of paper with a big rectangle on it. And you're going to sketch out your all the spaces. Maybe you're taking a pencil and you're drawing a box in a corner. That's the calm down corner space. Or there's a circle and that's the small group instruction table. You are not using your computer, clip art, graphics. Nope. This is just going to be a pencil sketch with boxes and circles. Next, I'd like you to label each section and write down the purpose of the section. Calm down corners purpose, the small group space purpose. Uh, If there's a open space near the doorway, you might want to write down the purpose that that's clear because that's the entrance and exit for students. And maybe there's a procedure that they use. So now you've got your classroom diagram, layout, purpose, 
the last piece of this puzzle is you're going to be writing down a statement of expectations for the area. So that is probably very different than how we've talked about expectations. So we think about paraprofessional expectations. You may have even found this podcast by Googling that because often when we're Googling something for support, that means expectations might not be met. And maybe you're looking for some support on it. So here's a different spin on how we can communicate expectations. We're modeling and communicating expectations for the area, whether the person in that area of your classroom is five years old, 10 years old, 35 years old. We're all meeting the same expectations, you, me, everyone. So all the adults that are modeling these expectations are really being leaders. We're modeling for our students. That is a way to really be more effective than having a big list of paraprofessional expectations, which serves almost as a to-do list, like do this, not that. I know you've seen those before, and I have one of those too in my binder, where it's a long list and it's pretty general, like arrive on time, don't chew gum, if, if that's a rule, don't talk on your phone during class, those types of things. But this is a little bit different. This is like a more of a community feel. This is how the expectations are for the calm down corner. You know, it will remain a safe space. No one's going to be interacting. I don't know what your rules are, but something to think about. That can go much, much further to getting expectations met and everybody on the same page. Now, I will say, as I listed that out, classroom layout, purpose, expectations, think about how you felt as you were listening to me share that. Is it easy? When you look around your classroom, do you know the purpose for each area and the expectation? Or is it kind of fuzzy? And I will challenge you as you reflect on that. If it's a little bit fuzzy, that's totally okay. That happens. But maybe it's fuzzy to everyone else as well. If you have limited space and your calm down corner is substituting as independent center space also, that might be a little blurry to students knowing what the expectations are but also blurry to the paraprofessionals. They might be a little bit confused. So doing this exercise should help bring clarity or see areas that still need a little bit more clarity so that when you do communicate those expectations, it's gonna be very easy to implement for everybody. All right, what do you think? I bet after listening to all that, which I thank you so much, I bet these were not what you expected. I had posted this list over on TikTok or Instagram, and I did get some responses of other things to include. And I fully agreed. There are so many other things, but we want first things first. So I've given you a pretty simple list. I think you can find a lot of these done for you and print them out and put them in. And it's really to protect everybody. But I also just gave you a couple of different spins on things. The expectations is a new way to approach it in the classroom schedule, keeping everybody on task with the responsibilities and classroom duties also is a little bit of a different spin. And I bet those two are going to have a positive impact. I can't wait to hear how they work for you. Let me know. 
and I will be back with the full binder so that we can find out everything we can put in there to support our paraprofessionals and build that classroom community. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like more information about supporting your paraprofessionals, please check out the show notes at Positively Learning blog. I will also put a link to the paraprofessional binder that is done for you. Just hit print. I also have a paraprofessional mini course. Now it's not for the paras, it's actually to support you. If that's something you're interested, be sure to check it out. In the meantime, I'll see you next for episode four. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'm dying to ask, what'd you think? Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. You can find the show notes and links for everything mentioned in this episode at positivelylearningblog.com. See you next week for more special education solutions.